Slate Spoiler Specials are brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 700,000 high-quality video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code SPOILER2. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, here with the spoiler special of Evil Dead, the new remake of the Sam Raimi film starring Jane Levy. Here with me in the Slate studio is Chris Wade. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dana. You are an audio and video producer for Slate. That is true. And you are also a dyed-in-the-wool fan of the old Evil Dead movies? I am indeed. In fact, as an audio video producer, I can say that the reason I went to film school was how inspired I was by Evil Dead 2, the mastery of Raimi's low-budget filmmaking, and then Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill, which is a great <laughs> memoir if Chins could kill. of him coming up in the B-movie circuit and trying to break into the A-movie list and never quite making it. But it, Bruce Campbell, uh, we should say, the star of the original three mm-hmm. Evil Dead, the trilogy Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. Yes. And one of the producers of this movie. Yes. And um, that book is just really inspirational of how much you can get done with just a 16-millimeter camera and a lot of gumption. Well, since we're starting off talking about the old Evil Dead, let's just do that and, and kind of set this up for people who don't know the original trilogy and why Sam Raimi, who also produced and really sort of, I think, masterminded this whole operation, although he did not direct the movie, a Uruguayan named Fede Alvarez did, who's never made a feature film before. But set up a little bit for us what Evil Dead is. Uh, Evil Dead is a classic of schlock horror cinema, uh, starting out with Evil Dead 1, which I believe they produced in around 1981 for minimum money, like $16,000. That little? Yeah, it's basically nothing. Um, Shot on 16 millimeter. Yeah. I mean, I might be fudging some of the technical specs, but very, very low low budget. They had been making Super 8 films together as kids for years and years. Campbell and Raimi. Yeah, and a few other people uh, in the the crew went out to a cabin in the woods and made this monster movie um, with surprisingly effective results. It got a little play along college tour circuits. They made a sequel that was effectively a remake called Evil Dead 2, which I would consider the classic of just a perfect confluence of an incredibly talented filmmaker working excellently within his means to create some really spectacular low-budget effects, and then Bruce Campbell being a natural... A bit of a ham, but in the best way possible. And it just combined, all the factors combined to make this brilliantly cheesy and sometimes still outright scary uh, horror movie, monster horror movie about a book of the dead, the, Necronomic- the Necronomicon, summoning demons from beyond our realm to possess. Right. What, was, Bruce it, what was the prologue friends. about the ancient Sumerian text? Oh, yeah. An ancient Sumerian text uh, bound in human flesh, written in human blood, lost for centuries. Um, yeah, and it just became a cult classic. Yeah, it was mainly picked up on VHS, right, as mm-hmm. I remember. It wasn't that it was a huge hit in theaters. It was that later on, students and young people started to discover it on video and pass it around, and that's which is how I first heard it. Yeah, that's certainly how I saw it. Friends' basements uh, in high school, VHS copies handed down from older siblings, that kind of thing. And I was asking when you last re-upped your Evil Dead viewing, because it was a good 20 years ago that I saw it. So I was having to sort of read up on the original to remember what changed in this remake. But you, you were saying that you refresh your, your Raimi. You go back to the Raimi font every few years or so. Yeah, I, uh, I watch Evil Dead 2 pretty frequently. It's still pretty delightful all the way through, even if you know every moment, every beat. So you must have had pretty high expectations for this one, or else maybe been horrified by its existence? Um, I tried to keep an open mind about it throughout the entire, the entire development process and hearing about it and, of course, seeing news about it constantly since it is such a 
fan-beloved property. Um, but actually, the, all the news about it seemed relatively good throughout its process. They, uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were very supportive of it. They said that they were very involved. They weren't they were making it a remake and a reboot that would touch on the original and be inspired by it, but wouldn't be a straight-up rehashing, shot-for-shot remake. All that is really preserved from the original is, this, is the setup, which, if you look at it, is essentially identical to The Cabin in the Woods, the Joss Whedon-produced send-up of these kind of movies. I mean, obviously, Evil Dead is one of the movies that he was calling back to, but it's, you know, five young people, undifferentiated, good-looking young people go to an isolated cabin and nothing good ensues. Yeah. The thing that I was most excited about this is actually the director, Fede Alvarez, who there wasn't much to go on from him, but he got chosen after producing this short in 2009 called Panic Attack, which I believe was produced for a budget of like $300 and is actually this very slickly produced special effects, a palooza of giant robots uh, attacking Montevideo, which I may be mispronouncing, um, his hometown. And I just thought it was a good choice to pick somebody who was coming up from the same tradition of using minimal cash to make maximum effect. Yeah, apparently Fede Alvarez also owns a special effects house and, mm-hmm. you know, just basically in, loves making prosthetics and, you know, fake blood and all the stuff that, that Sam Raimi revels in. So this movie has pretty minimal digital effects. I mean, you, you did spot some who here and there. It certainly looks more polished than the originals, which were just buckets of dyed corn syrup, essentially. Yeah. But, uh, but, but it does preserve some of that that low-budge feeling as well. Yeah, and you can really tell, especially after being bombarded by CGI use and abuse uh, over the last decade or so, it really feels something visceral to see prosthetic effects executed well. And I really don't know why there isn't more of those. I I don't see why people don't use way more puppets augmented by CGI. It seems like it would be so much more effective than creating whole-cloth CGI figures which never quite look the same level of realness. Yeah. Uh, do you think, for example, that the uh, the plant scene, which we'll get to, the, the vegetal rape scene, which does repeat pretty closely something from the original, was done entirely with puppets and things like that? There had to be some digital action going on there. I was looking at it while the, it was going on, and the way he shot it, it's actually not a lot of action. It's He does a really good job of implying action. It's like you see the main actress jerk back and then it cuts to her hand already bound. Right. Um, you don't even see a lot of the same kind of thing in the original one where uh, Raimi I believe did reverse filming where he shot in reverse of pulling ah, vines right. off the body and then in editing reversed it so it looked like vines were crawling onto the body. Right. Couldn't be simpler. Um but I don't even think he went that far. I think it was like a lot of implied action. And I really couldn't see any other than maybe that weird vine thing that the other deadite, the other zombie pukes up and crawls onto her. <laughs> but it seemed like he went way out of his way to use as many practical fe- effects as possible. And I think to positive effect. So I haven't even asked you that yet. And I usually ask it up front. Were you overall pleased? Did you like the new Evil Dead? I thought this movie was kind of awesome, right? Yeah, I thought it was kind of awesome. I mean, it is really, really gnarly. We should set that up in advance yeah. for people who aren't already up on the, the, the Raimi aesthetic. But it's, it is definitely a gross out movie in the extreme. I mean, I've seen a lot of horrible stuff in movies and this still got me uh, gasping. How does this compare to the, to- in terms of the intensity, the torture porn kind of movies, which I basically refused to see on principle, like Saw and Hostel and stuff like Here's that? Here's the thing that I came out of this thinking is it did a great job of being gruesome 
without being exploitative, if that makes sense. Yeah, why is that? Well, okay, we should mention also that Diablo Cody was in on it. She yeah. did a pass on the screenplay. She didn't write the screenplay, but I guess collaborated on it with Fede Alvarez and somebody else. I'm not sure. It's it's like it did just enough every time to show horrible, like painful, gross suffering, but without... You know, in, a, in like a Saw movie where you're maybe watching five minutes of somebody crawling over a pit of syringes where it's just like – it's not even the actual like watching a syringe go into somebody's body, which is always horrible and makes your skin crawl. But just like after you've gotten that one shot of the syringe going in, then another five minutes of somebody being dragged over this pit, and you're like, okay, I've got it. Now it's just, like, grating. Well, also, I don't know about those movies, but do they use humor in the same way that Raimi does? I mean, that's always sort of the thing that people say about Raimi. Mm -hmm. The same way that you say, like, Haydn is the funny composer. It's like, (laughs) Raimi is the funny horror director, and there's a lot of that in this movie, like a moment, kind of, we're skipping to and fro here amidst the, the bloodbath, but that moment where a character cuts off part of her cheek, right, in that horrible, horrible bathroom Mm -hmm. scene, then the guy who comes in and discovers her slips on like piece of flesh that's lying on the floor as if it were a banana peel and falls down it's the greatest release of tension after the horror of, of what you've just witnessed i love that scene yeah and that wasn't in the original right nobody slips on a banana peel of flesh no but there's all sorts of uh, weird stuff especially in evil dead 2 where they consciously pushed the slapstick and made it very like three stooges like i'm remembering one scene where a demon gets hit in the head and their eye pops out and flies across the room and lands in somebody's <laughs> mouth. Uh, very Three stooges Evil Dead 1, they were much more trying to make a horror movie and most of the humor was more unintentional. Um, I asked myself the same question last night, though, Chris. Like, how how is this not exploitative? How is it not, like, gross and sexist? You know, there certainly were a lot of cute, scantily clad girls having horrible things happen to them, but the movie was almost weirdly feminist in some ways. I think it... It did a lot by coaxing a lot of what seemed like real terror out of its actors. Um, I mean, all—I don't remember most of the actors' names. The only um, one I knew was Jane Levy from Suburgatory, yeah, who from plays Suburgatory. The, the main possessed girl. Everybody yeah. else is pretty much the uh, the bland stock character types. Yeah, it's just Joe Yablonovich. But their uh, their fear reads. And you see just enough horrible stuff, but not too much in that classic horror um, mode of just giving you enough taste of the actual gruesome violence to make all the other implied stuff sell even harder. Um, That nothing felt – I mean, other than the entire movie being over the top in a general way, there wasn't one thing ever where I was like, oh, come on. You know? Chris, let me stop you for just a moment for a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Spoiler Special is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use offer code SLATE1. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project. Whether it's for a website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or any type of project, you can choose from over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, and video clips. Shutterstock adds 10,000 new images every day, so every time you visit, you'll find something new. You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just start an account and begin using Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project could be like. Once you decide to purchase, use the offer code SLATE1, and new accounts will receive 30% off any package. That's Shutterstock.com, and for 30% off new accounts, use the offer code SLATE1. The Spoiler Special thanks Shutterstock for their support. 
Okay, Chris, back to Evil Dead. Were you surprised by who survived and who didn't? I mean, it, man- it really did manage to surprise me in that way. The original movies are unusual in that instead of the last girl, they have the last guy, right? It's mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, who keeps surviving all these horrible onslaughts of, of demon violence. Yeah. I mean, the movie's interesting in that regard. So in addition to five friends going to the woods, we have our main character, Mia, who is explicitly going to this cabin to kick a heroin habit. Um, so she's going to dry out for a while. Immediately afterwards, they find the Necronomicon, though I don't think the word Necronomicon is ever said. No, the, the text movie. is less explicated than it is in the original, mm-hmm. which is sort of sad. It's just sort of your generic, you know, evil book in a demon possession movie. There's not much talk about where it comes from. Yeah. They find the book in the remnants of a ritualistic sacrifice chamber in the, in the basement of the cabin. They read from the book. Terrible stuff starts to happen. Mia gets possessed immediately, spends 70% of the movie as a possessed demon in the basement. But the drug setup is really smart kind of narratively as well because it gives some kind of credence to why she would be freaking out, right? And Mm -hmm. one of the other characters who's at the cabin is a registered nurse and is supposedly there to help medically shepherd her through her her heroin withdrawal and keeps saying, oh, well, this is just her, you know, being crazy and trying to get driven back to the city so she can get drugs. So she gets pretty far along in her demon possession before anyone starts to suspect anything supernatural is afoot. Yeah, which is quite a clever twist on on the original setup. And this movie does a good job of being, it does a great job of being a little more grounded uh, in the sense that the character relationships are just a little more realistic. In the first two, in the original Evil Deads, you get pretty much nothing before demons start attacking you. Yeah, it's they're all just about bait. The they're basically just openly bait. Yeah. And there is more of a sense here, for example, the brother-sister relationship. One of the, the guys at the cabin is, is Mia's brother, and they've been estranged since their mother's death, and there's quite a bit of background, actually, about their emotional mm-hmm. relationship. And I thought it was kind of a clever idea to make recovery, recover, recovery from addiction, sort of analogous with demon possession. Yeah, and it kind of maps this entire thing, this entire demon possession thing of fixing their relationship. So in the end... He ha- her brother has to exercise the demon from her by burying her alive, then digging her back up and starting her heart with an electric <laughs> with a car <laughs> battery. Um, There's a fantastic moment when he's burying her alive. As far as this, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of grounding the characters in a more in a more realistic emotional relationship. There's a very Diablo Cody moment in the script where Mia, who for the past hour has only spoken in various demon voices and said things like, I will feast upon your soul and mm-hmm. things like that. Suddenly her eyes pop open as she's lying there in the grave about to be buried alive. And she just says in a kind of whiny suburban girl voice, whatever happened between you and me, bro, or whatever, yeah. and sort of starts working out. Me, yeah, brother? exactly. Um, but then that makes the whole last 10 minutes in which the brother ends up sacrificing himself to blow up the house and then the final demon attacks Mia and she kind of has her moment of strength where she comes out through the forest of recovery of fixing her of exercising her addiction and the demon and her relationship with her brother and sacrificing part of herself by ripping off her own hand trapped under a car in a particularly gruesome scene. Yeah, in perhaps the movie's single gnarliest moment, right? like the one that I took away with me. Was that a digital effect, do you think, the arm no, trapped under I, the car? No, I think that that's that a That was just like hand. a fake arm, yeah. yeah. It looked awesome, though. Oh, it looks so gross. <laughs> It was great. But what I really loved is the audience's reaction, too. We saw it with a very culty audience, like people mm-hmm. who had obviously been waiting all year for this to come out. And, and there was so much laughter along with the screaming. It was great. Yeah, and there was kind of a general sense that it started with um, it started with people being like, ah, ha, ha, this is silly to see another Evil Dead, too, by the end of it, people 
being shocked and horrified and, and like, hiding the behind their hands. Way. So I've named a couple of the moments that will stick with me. Well, you meant you mentioned the uh, trapped uh, hand trapped into the car at the end, and essentially sort of by sheer force of will, just pulling your hand out from underneath a car. Yeah. Oh God, that's awful. Then there's the slipping on the, the cut off cheek. That was pretty classic. Can you name since we're spoiling a couple I, moments that I think you'll remember? This is a really small moment, but I think it's uh, indicative of the style and maybe that idea that we're both trying to get at about how it's gruesome without being exploitative of when she's right before that car moment, when she's trapped in kind of the crawl space and that the super demon is, is attacking her with a machete. There are just like two moments where the machete goes through the wall and on the way as it's being pulled out through the wall, it just rips into her knee and her arm just a little bit in a way where you can like really feel how painful that would be but it's not and it's just gross enough but it's not lingered on too long or anything it's like those little flourishes or maybe uh the long-haired pissy intellectual dude pulling the hypodermic needle out of his (laughs) eye uh just like those little inserts that make it just gruesome enough to be perfect um yeah, there's the overpowering gross-out moments, and then there's the ones where you're just sort of like, oh, nice, you know? Yeah. Like, how could you think of something like that, you sick motherfucker? Uh, there is one thing I think this movie lacked in the spirit of the original, which is uh, more fighting back from the beginning. Uh, one of the fun things about the Evil Dead movies, I think, is seeing your um, your wise-ass, charismatic lead guy, Bruce Campbell, kind of immediately getting on board with killing these things or fighting back and there's really no struggle back against them until the last act of the movie the last 20 minutes and i think a little more fight back from our helpless victims would have made it a little more fun yeah it does take about 20 minutes because of all the character setup we were talking about Mm -hmm. for things to start getting really antagonistic between the demons and the humans and so that means there's a lot of craziness to be packed into the last hour or so mm-hmm. because it's only a 91 minute movie which is something else I liked about it I mean even though it doesn't look as low bu- low budget as the original just the mere fact that it's like a short sharp shock you know that that gives it that that old-fashioned low budget feeling um so overall do recommend I recommend two people who are connoisseurs of this kind of movie. I mean, I know tons of people who this movie would be way, way, way too intense for. And honestly, I'm sort of one of them. I can only take a movie like this once every six months or so. But when it's done with artistry and especially with humor, I can appreciate it. Like um, Sam Raimi's last movie, Drag Me to Hell, which I think I liked even better than this. Another possession story, not quite as violent, less of a slasher movie, right? And more mm-hmm. of, a, of a, a horror movie. But um, but I thought just fantastic. I also love Drag Me to Hell. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I would say... Anybody who's a fan of a, a good, gruesome horror movie, I don't even think you need to see the see or appreciate the originals to appreciate. It's the, two separate experiences, yeah, right? Two separate experiences. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for coming in to spoil this with me. There are, there's talk of some sort of a sequel to this or maybe another Army of Darkness movie coming I've out. I've heard so of that. And I'm please also come excited. back in and talk about that with me if it I happens. feel like my whole life has been building up to the spoiler. <laughs> um. All right. Well, our producer is you, Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens.